Welcome to Why Want That, which is an ongoing series here at the Jim Hill Media Podcast Network, a show that focuses on the dynamic world of Disney merch. I'm entertainment writer Jim Hill, and joining me now is Disney expert Shelley Valladolid. Hi there. And we are recording this on Thursday, July 16th. Um, and yes, I know it's been quite a while between shows here, folks, but you have to remember that the Disneyland Resort closed its two theme parks back on March 14th, and then Disney World then closed its four theme parks a day after that, and then on March 17th, the Walt Disney Company announced that it was closing all of the Disney stores in North America, so at that point it got a little tough to do a show about Disney merch, Um, but but, uh, Shelley came up with a very interesting workaround. Do you want to talk about uh, your 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 wine idea. Yes, I ordered some wine from Silverado Vineyards, Ron and Diane Miller's uh, uh, winery up in uh, Stag's now, Leap. Now, now that uh, fun fact, the, the piece of property that that Ron and Diane bought back in in the seventies actually was owned by the Seas family. Seas. I I did not know that. I love Seas candy, the nuts and chews, man. Yep. They're the best. Anyway, so the idea was they wanted someplace quiet, someplace far away from the hustle and bustle of Burbank. They buy this place, and I think you were mentioning that at least initially they were selling the grapes back to they the were They were selling them to several like wineries in the area, and uh, they finally decided in 81 that they were going to go on it mm-hmm. for themselves. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, kind of interesting because after all those years working at Disney, it wasn't enough just to to build a, a, a vineyard, so to speak. It had to look like it had been there forever. It was themed, so they went with a what was it? A California Mission style series of buildings. Uh, and you know, in fact, what's kind of interesting is if you talk with the locals, a lot of folks, you know, think that it's been there forever, but it was actually, like you said, you know, I guess they started building it in 81 and really got serious about it in 84 when, uh, you know, Ron was pushed. When when he was pushed out. When when you went to visit, how did it look? Um, It it was charming. I mean, you know, Nancy and I went there, I want to say in 2002, had these buildings that looked like they'd been there for two or three hundred years and then you'd come inside, and it was all state-of-the-art modern equipment. Um, <laughs> though I think the most memorable part of the visit is he then took us into the tasting room, and I want to say Silverado Vineyard had just started doing these wine-filled chocolates. Uh, and you know, the, and I want to say it was port, because these things were really, really <laughs> powerful, and he's like, well, try this one, try this one, try this one. And, you know, that was what our, that we were doing in the morning, and in the afternoon we were supposed to be over in Santa Rosa uh, to go to the Charles Schultz Museum. I want to say the, whatever the equivalent of waves was back then, I said, it's only 27 miles, and it's okay, so we, we you know, say goodbye to the vintner, we climb in the car, and but it's 27 miles on twisty, turny roads, and uh, in the middle of, you know, you know, <laughs> driving the phone rings and it's our friend jeff lang and he's how are you doing it it's like it's like oh we're, we're doing great and so nice of you to call so you can tell the authorities where to find our bodies you know when we we miss a turn and go off into a ditch um anyway uh, let, let's let's talk about the wine uh what did you get i got the uh 
I got a uh, limited edition Silverado Cabernet, and I don't have the mm-hmm. bottle anymore, which I should have at least taken a picture of the label, but I didn't. So I can't tell you exactly okay. what, but it was $75. It was mm-hmm. really, really, really good. I took it over to my mother-in-law's house. She lives across the street, so we're, we're mm-hmm. together as a family. With all the masks and everything. Yeah, we had it with olives and cheese. And oh boy, what a good wine. Now, what's kind of interesting is that you mentioned the $75 price point. I can, the, the interesting thing is if you actually go to the Silverado Vineyard page, uh, they have indiv- individual bottles starting as low as $28 uh, for a cabin, Cabernet Sauvignon. Uh, there's a $35 Pinot Noir, but you're right. The higher end bottles do, uh, of the more limited vintages, mind you, uh, do start at 75 and can run as high as $200 for an individual bottle. But, uh, for those of you looking for value, uh, I guess the best values would be they offer mixed wine sets that's six bottles for $275 and they have that's a uh, great deal. Six bottles of red that are supposedly truly superb for three hundred. But you know, again, if you're you're you know you're a Disney fan and, and want an interesting you know bend on the company history, they do do tastings there on, on the grounds. On now, mind you, uh, reservations are required, and uh, you know, in fact, uh, here's the the boilerplate from the actual uh, Silverado Vineyard wine site. They describe a Silverado experience, which is our hosted, seated tasting. Uh, it's supposedly the best way to enjoy the views of the Stag Leap District as you sample our small production estate-grown wines. Uh, tableside service from a host will introduce you to our history, uh, winemaking styles, and the unique characteristics of each wine. And that is $55 a person. They're limiting it to groups of six uh, with conditions that anyone who's taking part in the Silverado experience must be 21 years of age. And uh, this says a lot that they had to include this as language. Uh, we regret that pets cannot be guests. So uh, I would imagine a lot of people are bringing service animals with them to Silverado. <laughs> I bring this up because, um, face it, California's been kind of going back and forth uh, with COVID. Well, yeah, that's uh, kind of part of the reason why I bought the wine when I got the email from them mm-hmm. was because this wine is served at, at Carthay Circle. It's served at Yachtsman's Steakhouse. You, you can find mm-hmm. it all over Disney property, and it was just like a nice little throwback. Oh, definitely. You know, if you if you want to drive up to Napa. The problem is right now, there were so many mixed messages. I mean, for example, back on March 16th, uh, Governor Newsom ordered all bars, wineries, and brew pubs closed. Uh, then, what was that on June 5th? He said that wineries and tasting rooms could reopen when permitted by the, by the counties, and when they were issued state guidance for the health and safety of visitors and employees and but then just earlier this week on on july 13th uh due to a, a resurgence of COVID out in california uh, governor newsom ordered wineries and tasting rooms closed again uh along with certain malls so um i guess a uh, long story short folks you know give silverado a call to find out uh, you know where exactly they fall. The last time I looked at the web, the website, they were still offering people 
uh, the opportunity to book the Silverado experience, but there was also language that include that said, this situation is constantly evolving. Uh, something should change at your end or ours. Uh, any reservation will be fully refunded if canceled within 24 hours. So, um, That's good to know. But, it, you know, you know, worst case scenario, you can always do what Shelly did and order yourself a couple of bottles, and you know you can you can have that that yachtsman or the the Napa Rose experience right there at home. So, uh, get yourself some olives and cheese. <laughs> All right, uh, okay, but that's the West Coast. On the East Coast, getting back to you know how this went down in March. Uh, you know, that, that everything closes down, but by the middle of May, uh, we had CityWalk at Universal Orlando partially reopened. Uh, it was just select uh, restaurants and stores. Uh, the following week, on May 20th, uh, we had Disney Springs reopened, but in that case, again, uh, not necessarily all of the Disney-operated stuff. Uh, it was the third-party operating participants... Uh, and finally, a week later, uh, on May 27th, uh, World of Disney at Disney Springs reopened. I don't know about you, Shelley, but have you been getting questions about why it is that Universal, you know, or at least in, in Florida, was able to open so much earlier than, say, Walt Disney World? Uh, do the math. It's the numbers. Yeah, it is. It, it, it's a question of scale. I mean, you know, face it, Universal with its two theme parks and seven uh, on-site uh, hotels scattered over 840 acres, that's basically a small town. Uh, whereas Walt Disney World with its four theme parks and its 34 on-site hotels, 28 of which are owned and operated by Disney, on 25,000 acres, that's more of a full-size city. In fact, what's especially been kind of interesting um, was, you know, that, that when you think about uh, Universal, when it would call everybody back, that would be 27,000, you know, uh, team members. Whereas Walt Disney World, that's 77,000 cast members. And if you think about having to retrain all of those people in the new COVID safety procedures and all that, uh, you know, that, that, you know, uh, that's a little daunting. June 1st, we had the Universal Studios Florida and Universal Islands Adventure reopen for team members and their families. Uh, on June 2nd, we saw select hotels at the Universal Orlando Resort reopen. And then on the 3rd and 4th of that month, uh, the theme park opened to, or theme parks opened to hotel guests and annual pass holders. And finally, on June 5th, uh, all of the Universal Orlando Resort reopened to the general public. Meanwhile, down the street at Disney, that it, on May 27th, Walt Disney World submits a plan to the state of Florida for the phased reopening of its theme park. June 11th, uh, or excuse me, July 11th, uh, Walt Disney World and Animal Kingdom were scheduled to reopen. And then on July 15th, in fact, just yesterday, uh, Epcot and Disney's Hollywood Studios reopened. Uh, and that was basically a full six weeks after the Universal Orlando Resort reopened. Uh, meanwhile, out in California, Disneyland Resort announced on June 10th its phased reopening plan, uh, which called for downtown Disney Anaheim to reopen on July 9th. Uh, Disney's California Adventure and Disneyland Park opening on July 17th, just in time for the uh, Disneyland 65th birthday. 
And then finally, uh, Disney's California Resort and Spa, along with Paradise Pier Hotel, uh, were supposed to reopen on July 23rd. But that didn't happen, did it, No, Shelley? it did not. Um, yeah. Um, I, okay, the way this basically went down, uh, what was it? On July 24th, uh, the state of California, I guess, reached out to attractions up and down the state and basically said, we're not going to provide you with guidance about how to open, you know, theme parks and, you know, uh, aquariums and museums and the like until sometime after July 4th. Right. Uh, which is why then uh, the Walt Disney Company announced that uh, the two Disneyland theme parks and the... Uh, the two hotels at the Disneyland they were going to resort they were going to reopen. Kind of interesting that they held back the actual Disneyland hotel, don't you think? I do. I wonder why. Um, anyway, so they announced that the, you know all of those properties would be closed till further notice, and um, the rumor was that you know the you know going forward that they would shoot for an August first reopening. But like I said, uh, given Governor Newsom's uh, decision uh, this past Monday to close indoor businesses across the state, including restaurants, as we mentioned earlier, wineries, movie theaters, zoos, and museums. Um, That really makes the August 1st opening sound like wishful thinking. Well, I had heard Um, that they were going to take reservations starting August 1st. Okay, well, let's let's hope that that's going to happen. But what's kind of interesting, again, remember that Disney made this announcement on uh, June 24th, and, you know, there was much complaining, you know, about, uh, you know, that we're not going to get into the park, but Orlando's going to get into the park. And interesting thing, you know, Disney, like every other major corporation, uh, you know, when you have bad news, you try to counter it with some good news. So uh, on June 25th, the very next day, is when word dropped about the redo of Splash Mountain uh, with the idea that the two stateside versions of this flume ride would soon uh, be retooled around a Princess and the Frog theme. Uh, That's going to be so good. Now, now, had you been following that with the Change.org stuff? Um, A little bit. I I listened to this great podcast called The Disney Dish with Jim Hill and Len Testa. Mm. And those idiots, yeah, <laughs> no way. I love them both. Um, mm-hmm. okay. And uh, the description of the ride that you, that you give on there is I want to ride it, yeah, I can't open, but you know, the, here's the thing. Um, now you know, again, you pay attention to the company, and you, you must have heard what Bob Chapwick said a couple of weeks ago to the effect of, and in fact, I think it was during the most recent quarterly earnings call where they had just put a stop to $900 million worth of projects that were in the works for the parks. And it's kind of interesting, just uh, over the last 24 to 48 hours, uh, we've, we've had some information about what got uh, what got cut. Yeah, the, the Festival uh, Center. Fact, the, the Festival Center. Uh, that was so is, cool. Uh, it was a cool idea. It genuinely was. Well, no, uh, no good idea ever offered, dies at Disney, right? I'm still waiting to be able to check into the Persian Resort. Um, <laughs> you know, I, that's the thing. The Festival Center uh, is being reimagined where, on the other hand, construction of the Mary Poppins uh, attraction that was supposed to go into the U.K., 
Uh, that's been postponed. Now, what was that um, supposed to be? Well, see, now that's part of the problem. Um, you know, that, that everybody I've always talked with about the Poppins attraction, um, I, you know, that, that there was a belief that Mary Poppins uh, Returns was going to be a far bigger hit than it actually turned out to be. Don't get me, get me wrong. It's a wonderful film. I thoroughly enjoyed it. It's a worthy sequel to the, you know, the original 1964 film. Um, but it, it, it just did not, you know, Disney thought they, they had a yet another billion dollar earner. And it, I want to say it topped out internationally with, with both, uh, domestic and, and international worldwide growth somewhere in the three hundreds. And that's really not enough. So it went, um, you know, there, there was one iteration of this thing. If you remember in Mary Poppins returns, uh, there was right across the street from, uh, you know, uh, uh, 17 Cherry Tree Lane, uh, there was a spring fair. Right. And, you know, there was a carousel and a Ferris wheel. And, you know, the, the notion, one version of the plan had it that they, they were going to put those flat rides in, which would give Epcot a little bit more capacity, per, you know, uh, per hour. And something kid-friendly. were yeah, and also what they were going to do is basically take the the side of the UK pavilion that faced into that side and retheme it around uh, Cherry Tree Lane. So you'd have Amber Boone's house next to where the banks lived, and there was going to be a meet and greet in there. Uh, you know, and in fact, at one point because they'd so convinced themselves that Mary Poppins Returns was going to be a giant hit. Uh, they, they were going to do sort of the Anna and Elsa's summer who's mm -hmm. thing where, you know, there were three separate sets of Anna's and Elsa's to meet with, which allows you to pump that many more people. Through. What? Um, yeah. Yeah. So yes, that's, that's how that building is set up there. And I'm sorry if I just blew something for small children. <laughs> um, anyway, so there were at least going to be two, um, Mary's and Jack, not Bert. That you know, again, the, the the Jack, the uh, not the chimney sweep, the Jack of all trade. Then the plan got bigger. Then the, again, when the film came out, the plan got smaller. And I think that was another thing that kind of bit them in the butt was there had they had never actually locked down a design or, for that matter, a budget. Uh, similarly, a redo, uh, you know, in fact, the redo that, that Bob Chapek made a very big deal about uh, at the last D23 Expo, uh, you know, sort of, you know, <laughs> retooling Spaceship Birth around storytelling. Uh, that's off the table as well. That's been postponed. <laughs> and just today, uh, word also came down that what? Uh, Primeval World. At yep. uh, Animal Kingdom, Rivers uh, of Light, is, and yeah, Rivers and of Light. No big the, surprise, Stitch. Well, I, you know, actually, I, I think people had be, already been inside of Stitch and showed that the theater was basically dismantled. Right. So, we're not really surprised they came back. Rivers of Light, on the other hand, I want to stress here that the show is going away, but uh, the the giant orchid fountains that were featured in the show. Again, this is a giant blank piece of canvas at night. It is. Uh, you know the the lagoon space there at the Discovery River, 
And so the plan is now, I guess, that at twilight each night, they're going to take the four orchids that were part of the mechanical orchids that were part of the show and float them out into the lacoon into the space. <laughs> and then they'll just kick them on with their lights and their, their, their fountain function. So they will be something pretty to look at. But yeah, the boats and, you know, the animals and all that, that they're, they're, they're not coming back. Um, but uh, now to, to pivot back to, um, the princess of the frog thing, um, $900 million worth of construction has been paused. The idea that people kind of heard the thing about the, the princess of the frog redo and thought, oh my God, they're closing that attraction tomorrow and they're going to, you know, and, and we'll have a, you know, splash round will be gone and in a year we'll have. Uh, Princess Frog, no, no, that's that's not yeah, what's no. going to happen. But that certainly didn't stop. Uh, well, I, I, again, July seventh and eighth, cast members and annual uh, passporters went crazy. Yeah, lost their damn yeah, minds. They, 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 they were the first people through the door, and basically a good portion of them marched straight to the Briar Patch at the Magic Kingdom. Uh, and bought tons of uh, Splash Mountain merch to, with the idea there, you know, and again, they bought it with their, both their annual pass holder or their, uh, you know, their cast member discount. Or, which you're not supposed to do. With the idea of do. taking it home, which you're not supposed to do. Uh, now, to be fair here, this was not uh, just an East Coast phenomenon, because on uh, Wednesday, July 8th, we had the cast member preview of Downtown Disney Anaheim. And you probably saw the same videos that I did on oh, Twitter yeah. of, you know, the folk, folks mobbing the pile of Disneyland limited edition 65th anniversary. Yeah, and on, on Facebook already, I, it's coming your 25th anniversary, or your 65th anniversary merchandise, mm-hmm. merchandise on hand. Mm-hmm. And there's one guy on yeah, Facebook, it, I don't know if you knew about this. Selling jars of Splash Mountain water for $300 each. Yeah. You know, and it just would, reminds me of the... Bruce Gordon is somewhere going, I, nah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What Shelley's referring to is the late, great Bruce Gordon, when he was a kid, before he became an Imagineer, uh, he wanted to build a uh, jungle cruise at home. And so he, he you know, he studied the maps he studied the photos he used plaster of paris and he he built himself a a model of the uh you know the layout of the jungle cruise and to make it as authentic as possible he the next time he went to disneyland he took a one of those little you know pint of milk waxed containers with him and stuck it you know when the, the, the skipper wasn't looking stuck in the water and brought home authentic jungle cruise water for his uh you know his miniature jungle cruise at home so, yeah, I miss Bruce. Me too. He um, had an impressive collection of dirt, too. <laughs> yes, he did. Yes, he did. No disrespect to people uh, who, who ran into the park, who grabbed the smirch, who, you know, went home and thought, I'm being really clever. I'm going to put this up on eBay. And I'm sure the very first folks uh, who put up, you know, the $24, you know, Ray Rabbits for 150 bucks. I bet there were a couple of takers. Oh, I no, one or two of them sold out at like $300 each. But but here's the thing, okay? At this point now, there's a lot of, you know, people who had the same idea. There's a lot of people who, you know, especially on the East Coast, who put this stuff up. $900 million worth of construction, you know, paused. This Splash Mountain... Princess of the Frog redo isn't happening anytime soon. In fact, the earliest I've heard 
that the attraction will close is 2022. Me too. So, eh, I just feel sorry Disney for, folks. for the people who were dumb enough to buy it at, at that price. Well, I feel I, sorry I, for I'm them. actually more con- Well, you know, I mean, look, people all over the United States who have giant plastic bags full of beanie babies yeah. that they, they bought sure that that, that was going to be a great investment and that didn't pan out. So, um, I just want to warn anybody who's thinking about getting in on this and speculating. Uh, look, Disney will do its own wave of limited edition merch as we get close to the actual closure of Splash. Uh, you may remember just recently the, 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 that's, it's a wrap t-shirts that were done for the closure of thinking of the great movie ride. I think there were coffee mugs and stuff like that. So anticipate, you know, good, something, kind of fact, I think somebody was saying they were talking with the people at Maxwell House about goods, the last drop. You know, it's like, could oh, we use cute. that catchphrase? That's cute. Yeah. So, oh. <laughs> but anyway, all right. So, but yeah, seriously, folks, just just be careful. You know, you want to Bray Rabbit plush and all that? Go to the park. It'll still be twenty four ninety nine. Don't. Spend or if you can't get in the park, go to World of Disney or shopdisney.com. dot com. They're going to be on there. They're not on there right now, but they will be on there. The Wishables, I think, are on uh, there. Uh, the actual physical Disney store uh, began reopening at, at various malls around the country. In fact, our local, let's see, Merrimack Premium Outlet, the Disney store there, opened on Wednesday, July 8th. And Nancy and I went there to check the place out. Did the whole mask, you know, hand sanitizing thing. Um, yeah, kind of interesting that the, the store capacity, at least for this particular outlet store, was set at 30 uh, and since there were uh, five cast members on the floor at any one time, that meant only 25 guests could get in. Uh, and, you know, there was literally a person working the door who would hold, you know, folks back. They think, oh, got to wait. And But the interesting thing, this, this cast member was also standing next to a rolling cart that had a huge bottle of hand sanitizer on it along with um, a pile of face coverings. And, and notice the phrase face coverings, not masks, because, you know, making people wear a mask makes them mad. But evidently making people wear a face covering, it's like, well, okay, all right, I'll wear a face covering. Um, makes perfect sense. The store itself had the exact same number of displays and fixtures, but they've been moved around in such a way to allow for the six feet of social distancing. Uh, and uh, more to the point, there were lots of signs on the floors and on displays. It can remind guests to please stand six feet apart. Uh, there was a video display behind the cash ramp uh, that rotated through a number of messages, which I thought were kind of interesting. Uh, a key, uh, key among these was in-store events have been postponed until a future date. So uh, I think we talked on an earlier show about like the Disney Wisdom right. series, which would, you know debut new items every month and i want to say that was their brand new mickey or mini series but they told the folks to check out the store locator for updates on events in the future uh also warn people that product availability will vary that some limited edition uh limited release items uh will not be available in the store at this time and to as uh shelly just pointed out to you know, you should probably look for those items at uh, Shop Disney. And then, just like everybody, everywhere else you go these days, the the cast member who was working behind the cash wrap uh, had a giant piece of plexi that separated them between, you know, uh, them and the guests. And um, 
Anytime a transaction was completed, they then wiped down the counter and, you know, the credit card reader. Not the perfect um, setup. Uh, you know, that, that, uh, in fact, the, the cast member pointed out to me that, you know, uh, for example, in order to create these six-foot-wide, you know, uh, social distancing aisles, they did things like they had to put the clearance items right next to a display of full-price items, which confused a number of guests and, and made for some awkward, you know, dealings at the cash wrap. It kind of felt bad for them, you know, that, that for example... Uh, Easter was back on April 12th, but of course the store had closed on, on March 17th. So they had a lot of, um, uh, you know, uh, Mickey dressed as a bunny and Stitch dressed as a bunny plush, uh, that they were trying to move, you know, weeks after Easter for $5.99 a piece. Likewise, a lot of discounted Frozen 2 merch. In fact, Nancy picked up a sleep, sleep shirt that had, the Snow Queen version of Elsa, along with the knock, the water horse, that had been marked down for $8, and we got our Disney Visa discount to knock that down to 6 Interesting. You know, they still had a display up for Onward, hyping that Pixar film's March 6th release date, and those items were still full price. Worth noting that there was nothing on the shelves for Black Widow and Mulan, and I bring that up. Because obviously Disney's pushed their release dates uh, on, on those two films, but but what I find interesting is that Universal did the same thing for Minions: The Rise of Gru, which was originally supposed to open in theaters earlier this month and is now been pushed back a full year till July second, two thousand twenty-one. But if you go to Target right now, they have toys on the shelf. For Minion the Run, uh, Minions the Rise of Group. They also have, um, they also have the Splash Mountain Song of the South, um, Funko Pops. It's good that Michelle has pointed that out because that set, the the three set of Funko Pop figures, uh, which was created for the 30th anniversary of uh, the opening of Splash last year, they're selling it at Target for forty five dollars. Uh, however, if you go online, you go on eBay, that's, that, that set is now listing for $500. So thanks to Shelly for pointing that out. But seriously, folks, do not, you know, don't spend top dollars for these sorts of collectibles. Anyway, I, again, I just, it was kind of intriguing to me that Disney was able to step into its retail chain. Because face it, you know, with these big films like Mulan or uh, Black Widow, um, the way Disney works is typically six weeks before the film arrives in theaters, uh, the first wave of merch hits store shelves. So, you know, the early adopters can get themselves a, a Black Widow t-shirt or a Black Widow, you know, or a Mulan t-shirt or that sort of thing. And they were, Disney was able to stop these, you know, somewhere there's a warehouse full of this stuff right now waiting for when Disney uh, will decide to you know, finally put these in theaters. And did you see today the investor who's writing about the Dis Disney stock and you know the, what he was hearing from the company? That no way. they think that it's not going to be till mid two thousand twenty one before we get back to a normal movie theatrical experience, which means yeah, sounds you know, about right. It just as with Disney, 
with these giant blockbuster tentpole films that, you know, the only way you make a billion dollars is if you open in theaters worldwide. That potentially means that, you know, Black Widow and Mulan are going to sit in the vault for, jeez, another 11 months. Well, didn't they do that with Rise of Gru? Uh, Minions Rise of Gru, yeah. But again, you know, that they, they, like two they years? bobbled the... Disney's doing what it can uh, because, you know, obviously so many of us are now shopping online and which has led to a certain amount of frustration with limited edition stuff uh but when we get back uh shelby's going to talk about a brand new program that disney's instituted that hopefully will take some of the frustration out of that and we're back Okay, so uh, on a couple of our earlier I Want That's, uh, Shelly and I talked about limited edition items that Shop Disney was offered to regular folks like us, uh, but that we never really had a shot at, uh, largely because the eBay pirates Box. would swoop in and immediately claim all of the available items. Um, in fact, what was the most recent one? It was um, the Mickey Tiki. Oh, that's right. That's right. Uh, and, and face it, this has been a frustration within the Disney fan community for a number of years now. Because, uh, of course, once these items sell out, uh, the only way you're able to, to claim this collectible for your collection is to go, you know, on this, you know, to the secondary market where you then end up playing multiples of the original asking price in order to secure it. And again, you know, just don't do that with the Splash Mountain stuff. Um, but, okay, so, Shelly, talk to me about this new thing they're doing, the Early Access Drawing System okay. Merch Pass. Do you remember at D23 when they did Merch Pass? Uh, to be honest, you know, I don't shop at, at, at D23. You know, it's, it's the four and five hour long lines that kind of broke my will. So, but well, you had, talk to me. You what had is Merch an Pass? appointment time. And mm-hmm. that's when you could go get get your uh, merchandise without having to wait in okay. a six hour long line. With Merch mm-hmm. Pass online, it's a little different, mm-hmm. but still kind of the same backbone. And what it is is you register register with Disney.com if you haven't Disney ShopDisney.com if you haven't yet. You will get an email that tells you when you can go in and try to uh, get in line for this. And it'll have a time on it, say 2 p.m. Hmm. So you go into the go into the app and you put put your uh, limited edition item in your bag, mm-hmm. and then you check back by that time, like by 2 p.m. And you'll see either sorry or go ahead. If you get go ahead, you go into your app. The item's already in your bag. And you can pay for it. Just to stress here, this is really you know taking the twenty thousand foot view. This is kind of a lottery, right? Yeah. You, 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 you know, you, you're still, you're not guaranteed if you, you sign and up. And you don't have to buy pass. it if you get chosen. If you, if you choose okay. not to buy two o'clock or four o'clock mm-hmm. or whatever time is on your email, then you mm-hmm. drop out and it goes to the next person who uh, signed up behind you. Also, something worth noted, you have a limited time window in which to buy this, right? Yeah. If you don't, um, if you don't move quickly, you could, you know, and even though you still have it in your Disney bag on the, the shop Disney page, you could still lose it. Right. 
Um, you can also, you can buy other items. Mm-hmm. You're not rushed to just push the button. You know, mm-hmm. if if it, your time is two o'clock and you lock in at noon, you can shop at your leisure. And as long as you've got that that payment in by by before two o'clock or whatever time, it's yours. What's kind of intriguing to me is Disney seems to be trying to placate obviously the collectors who feel like you know they they've unnecessarily been in competition with the eBay pirates, but at the same time, they're trying. Well, they have bots. So in a nanosecond, they can buy 600 items. Well, but what's kind of interesting is they will, if you take, for example, you know, I I remember, what was it? The rose gold mini ears that also disappeared in like, uh, you know, a second. What they say here is that you can use this early access drawing system to uh, to request more than one limited edition item, but you there is a limit of one entry per product per person. Yes. So I don't entirely understand how that works, but I guess you know you can put in multiple accounts requests. Ah, folks should be careful of is that you know face it when you're setting this up. Given the way email works, you want to keep an eye on your spam and promotions folder Definitely. because you know the first time. First time this comes through, it could, you know, end up getting filtered there. So, you know, be sure, especially first time around with Merge Pass, to, to keep an eye on that. When in doubt, you can go to the Shop Disney FAQ page. And, you know, they'll walk you through the this new early access drawing system. Just do a um, Google search for so, Shop Disney Merch Pass. So, we were just talking about... Mulan and uh, the new live action version, which again, in a different world, uh, that was supposed to open in March 27th of this year. Due to Corona, the release date got pushed back to July 24th. And then when it became obvious that theaters, you know, especially in in California and New York, were going to be able to be ready to open by that date. And those are two of the biggest film markets in the U.S. So it just, if they've, you can't open in New York and L.A. It just didn't make any sense to open the rest of America. So release date of Milan got pushed back yet again to August 21st. And as we were just talking about with Governor Newsom ordering, you know, just yesterday about the, the closure of indoor businesses, restaurants, movie theaters, and bars, it really seems kind of unlikely that in five weeks' time, this Nikki Carroll movie is actually going to be able to to open in theaters, and I think as as we mentioned about that, that investment analyst who just today was saying, the exhibitor's telling me that we're not going to be really returning to a normal movie-going experience to mid-2021. I would honestly be, be surprised now if we saw uh, Mulan and Black Widow uh, open, you know, uh, in the latter half of, of 2020. On the other hand, if, if you are... <laughs> A collector and you know are itching to to get into the Milan business. Let me float an idea to you. There's still a lot of stuff out there from the original 1998 uh, animated film. Uh, in fact, there's one particular set of collectibles that are surprisingly uh, affordable even today. Shelley, do you, do you remember when Mulan came out that there was this big campaign for the film tied to Aquafresh toothpaste? I I can't say that I remember the Aquafresh campaign, but um, I do remember the scene it was based on. Yes. Uh, well, that's what, what Shelley is referring to. And if you remember 
uh, Mulan, there was a, a scene where after a long day of army training, Mulan, you know, who's been masquerading as a, a, a man, uh, slips off from the training camp and, and finds a lake, stripped down and, and goes for a nice, refreshing swim. And But the problem is that the, the gang of three, okay, what is it? Uh, Shen Po, Yao, and I want to say Ling. Uh, you know, all, you know, they too come down to the lake and strip down and they're in the water swimming with, with Mulan and Mulan is desperate to, to get away from them because she doesn't want them to discover that she's not, you know, a, a man. And Mushu comes to her rescue. Uh, she, Mushu swims up to Ling and bites him in the butt. And, uh, Ling gets a quick look at Mushu and is a snake. And so the next thing you see, it's, it's, Yao and Chen Po and Ling, you know, they've clambered up on a rock to get out away from the snake. And, and um, uh, you know, Mulan uses this moment to slip out of the water, grab her towel, and she's able to sneak away. And But at this moment, there's this uh, great little bit of animation where Mushu comes out of the water, but he's got a, a tube of toothpaste in one pan and a toothbrush in the other. And he's frantically brushing his teeth. And it's like, that was nasty. That was disgusting. You owe me big time. Um, and, you know, so, I mean, it, it's a great little gag. It's, it's a fun little moment. And, you know, Eddie, Eddie Murphy turns in a fun, uh, vocal performance then. Um, so anyway, the, the, the gags in the movie, uh, you know, they're in production when Tony Bancroft and, and Barry Cook, the, the two directors of Milan, get a call from Peter Schneider, who was the then president of Walt Disney, uh, feature animation. And Peter wants to have a meeting with, with Tony and Barry. So they, they, they sit down, the Schneider uh, sits down with Bancroft and Cook and explains that a work in progress version of Milan had just been screened for Disney's licensing department. And the folks there were very excited by this Mushu brushing his teeth gag. Uh, the licensing people saw this scene as, you know, this once in a life opportunity to do a product tie in with a toothpaste company. Uh, in fact, the licensing department already had a, a brand in mind, Aquafresh Toothpaste. Uh, but in order to seal the deal, Tony and Barry would first have to agree to change the color of the toothpaste that Mushu was you know, brushing with from, from white to tricolor, because Aquafresh toothpaste is, is tricolored. And I, I, look, Tony and, 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 and Barry were conflicted, largely because this is something their boss is asking them to do. And of course, you, you want to, to make your boss happy, especially when you're both get a first-time directors of a full-length animated feature and you get kind of want a chance to do another one. But then again, changing the color of the toothpaste that Musha was using from plain old white to red, white, and blue would, would kind of shift the focus of the scene. You know, that, you know that, that tricolored element would, you know, would pull focus and obviously make the scene less about the gag and more about the, the now very obvious product placement. But then Peter Schneider did this really unusual thing. Uh, he followed up the product placement suggestion by saying to Tony and Barry, it's like, look, it's your movie. Uh, if you don't think this will help the scene, then don't do it. It's entirely up to you. And just to be clear here, Aquafresh was offering Disney a lot of money for this product placement. More to the point, they were offering to use that clip of Mushu frantically brushing his teeth in a TV commercial that would then go into heavy rotation just as Mulan was arriving at theaters. So, if Tony and Barry said no to the idea of changing the, the color of the toothpaste that Mushu was brushing with from 
white they're tricolored, they'd be turning down millions of dollars of free advertising for their movie, which could have a direct impact on how well Mulan did at the box office during the summer of 98. In the end, Bancroft and Cook decided in order to keep that moment in Mulan pure and simple and funny, the toothpaste that Mushu was brushing with had to stay white. And to his credit, you know, Peter Schneider respected the decision. Uh, he then got on the phone to Disney's licensing people and told them, you know, to, to pass along a message to Aquafresh, which was, thanks for the product, you know, placement offer, but no, uh, we're going to pass. But but here's the thing. Um, the folks at Aquafresh had seen the footage of, of Mushu frantically brushing. They thought it was so funny. They they didn't care about, you know, whether the, the toothpaste was was white or tricolored. You know, the, they still wanted to be part of Mulan, um, which is why for the summer of 1998, Aquafresh did what they offered. They, they put together this this commercial, uh, you know, that ran in prime time and ran in all major markets uh, frequently. Uh, not only that, they supported it with a giveaway where basically – um, if you bought a specially marked package, I, I want to say it was a twin pack of Aquafresh Triple Protection, uh, or for that matter, I guess the, the company also made toothbrushes that were uh, for kids. Uh, they were called Flexosauruses, so I, I guess they had dinosaurs on their base. Uh, but if you bought either of those twin packs, you got bundled with them this teeny tiny toy character figure from Mulan. And there were five characters in the Aquafresh set. There was a Mushu, there was a Mulan, there was Khan, who was Mulan's horse, uh, the villain is Shan Yu, and then finally uh, another version of Mulan, only this one uh, dressed as uh, a soldier. Hey. Again, because they, these things were bundled with the Flexosaurus toothbrushes, they were safe for kids for over three to play with, uh, made of sturdy plastic, and and their paint job on these things, and they're tiny. They're, they're maybe an inch tall on a, a quarter-sized plastic base. Uh, paint job still holds up well today, and I say that because I was just over on eBay, uh, where you can buy a complete set of these Aquafresh Mulan figures for just $24.99, or if you've already got one, or if you just want to get started, you can pick up individual figures for as low as a $1.80 a piece. So, which again, uh, as, as as Shelley just pointed out, uh, with that Funko Pop figure for Splash Mountain, you know, with its $500 asking price on eBay, you know, look, you know, again, we all want cool stuff. We all want, um, you know, uh, fine items, but you don't necessarily have to pay top dollar for cool stuff. I think what Jim is um, trying to say is caveat emptor. So the caveat emptor makes me think of empty calories. And uh, my first Disney collectible was actually one of these like premium things. You familiar with the Winnie the Pooh spoon sitters? Yes. Have you seen these? Yes. Okay. Um, this was something, and, and again, for me, these remain fascinating because, again, I was a small kid and I had three brothers and a sister. And so when you got the time, you know, the prize in the cereal box, you know, you had to move quickly, you know, you, you, you know, or, or it had to be your turn. And Nabisco, and, and this is what's interesting to me is that 
Nabisco started putting these things in cereal boxes before there was a Winnie the Pooh movie. In fact, if you collect these things now, there, there's seven of them. And I, I got to tell you, the likeness isn't necessarily the greatest because, uh, again, it, it, they were made in 64. At least that's what's stamped on their butts. Um you know, but there's there's seven of them. There's Winnie the Pooh, Piglet, Rabbit, Owl, Kanga, Eeyore, and Christopher Robin. Uh, they're made out of durable hard plastic, and they are primary colors. But honestly, they are among the very first Winnie the Pooh-related items that Disney, Disney Productions ever produced. And again, you can go over to eBay right now and pick up, you know, individual uh, spoon sitters. For as low as four ninety nine, and what's funny is uh, Nancy and I were just down uh, visiting my parents uh, earlier this week, and you know I was mentioning that we were getting ready to record a new uh, episode. By the way, she says hi, Shelley. Hi. Um, and uh, she says, "Well, wait a minute," and she goes over and pulls out a baby food jar. That is full of. I at first I had no idea what I was looking at. They were all these like half inch tall, make Disney character heads, and she explained that the, the her local grocery chain uh, Shaw's uh, has this deal where for every thirty dollars you spend, they will give you one free Disney Best Buddy Micro Pops, and that's with the Z at the end. There's 24 characters in all. And it, I'll tell you what, folks, I'll, I'll, I'll throw these up on Twitter once this show goes live so you can eyeball these. We they, She's got one complete set of the, the Lion King figures, Timon, Pumbaa, and Simba, and then some some loose Disney characters. But it's just, you know, you know the, the teenager who's working the register, you know, just sort of, you know, okay, so you, you spend $100 on, on groceries. Here's your three teeny tiny Mickey heads and tosses them in the bag. So, you know, who knows? In, in, in 30 years, you know, much like the Mulan uh, Aquafresh figures or for that matter, the Spoon Riders, uh, the Winnie Pooh Spoon Riders from Nabisco from back in the 60s. Uh, who knows what these will be going for in eBay? So I have a question oh. for you. You talked about the night shirt that Nancy got. What was the latest thing that you got, or things that you got for your collections? Um, you know, I'm a guy in my sixties, and lately I've been sort of obsessing on my first Disney experiences and what they had there. They've done this this series of books with the Disney Archive. They are. Uh, storybook replicas. Mm-hmm. Um, so, if you remember how Snow White opens with the, you know, the, the giant oh, those white book, beautiful that opens books, over. yeah, yeah. Uh, likewise, Cinderella and Sleeping Beauty, you know, have the giant jeweled manuscripts that then unfold. Um, but the other one that they offered was from the Sword in the Stone, and that was the. That's very your favorite. First, well, it's the very first one, my animated film, Disney animated film, I saw in a theater. Yeah. And so, you know, and it just, the, it, it, now mind you, um, the other one, which I wish I had picked up, uh, when, you know, back in March when the store was still open, but they had um, a My Adventure book from Up, the <gasps> scrapbook that Ellie and, and Carl, uh, you know, share. And the, what was great about it is that as you page through the book, they actually had, you know, it's a journal. So they have all these blank pages that you yourself could fill in. 
but they actually had the 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 final image from Ellie, you know, to the effect of her in the hospital. And thanks for the adventure. Now go have a new one. As soon as I thought that, it's like, wow, what a cool thing that would be to give to someone graduating from high school or college. Right. And uh, but I didn't move quickly enough. And I'm sure you now, can pick one again, up on eBay, Jim. Of course you can. <laughs> You know, but again, I'm I'm a flinty, cheap New Englander, and I I do not like paying more than I have to. So, anyway, um, okay, folks. So it only took us four months, but we finally got a new. Uh, I want that out the door. Tell you what, if there's something that you'd like Shelley and I to talk about on a future episode, which we're going to try to get back on a two week schedule here, uh, please let us know. Uh, likewise, if you have any tales to share about your own you know, chase of Splash Mountain figures or that sort of thing, we'd love to hear about it. Till we get the new show out the door, uh, Shelley, where, where can folks find you? Well, when there are rumors, I write about them on micechat.com. You can find uh, Disney news kind of generic on pinkmonorail.com. And I'm working on a secret project that's coming out in December. Ooh, okay. All right, well. We'll, we'll keep talking about that then. Um, okay, on my side of the fence, we, of course, you, you mentioned Disney Dish with Len Testa. Uh, Len's actually down at Walt Disney World now. In fact, I think today he was in uh, the studios. Uh, you, know, it's, you know, just trying to get a sense of, you know, what those are like now that they're reopening. Uh, in fact, that may be Len calling now. Um, okay. Uh, we also okay. We also have uh, fine tuning with Drew Taylor. Uh, you know. Hey, likewise. speaking of speaking uh, of Drew Taylor and merchandise, uh-huh. um, we finally ordered the Onward book. Oh yes, yes. And in fact, uh, thank you for mentioning that because I want to say it's Gallery Nucleus uh, is doing an online event on July 25th. Love Gallery Nucleus. Uh, and what they're going to end up doing is it's Drew and two artists associated with the film uh, and they're going to give a talk about, uh, mind you, I think I need to buy a $5 ticket in advance to get into this Zoom conference uh, but they also will you know, they're going to be signing a book plate uh, so you can get the three autographs of the people taking part in the presentation which can then go into a copy of uh, Onward, which you Gallery Nucleus is also selling. So uh, be sure and check that out. Uh, let's see. We also have Looking at Lucasfilm uh, with Dan Z. Uh, we have Universal Joint uh, with Dustin Fuse. Uh, and, of course, the podcast you're listening to right now. Uh, tell you what, folks. If you like what you, you, you've heard today with I Want That, if you get over to iTunes, and rate and uh, you know recommend the show. That would be very helpful. And if you really, really, really like what you've heard, uh, if you want to head over to Bandcamp and subscribe, uh, that helps. Uh, Michelle, you're on social media, right? You're you're on Twitter. Uh, yes, Pink Monorail. Okay, okay. Uh, go chase that down. Uh, likewise, let's see. Nancy wants me to tell you that you can find us on Twitter at and Instagram as Jim Hill Media and over at Facebook, Jim Hill Media News. Look, folks, I apologize about the lag between episodes. Obviously, it's been a very dynamic uh, situation with things changing every day. I mean, just today with the news about, you know, the, the shutting down of Primeval World at, at Animal Kingdom and, uh, you know, the, the stuff we were just talking about. In fact, what, Hong Kong Disneyland. 
uh, announcing just yesterday that the park and that park and resort it, it closed as of yesterday. But you know, and but again, you got to remember that in that instance, it's the government of Hong Kong that's the majority shareholder there, rather than the Walt Disney Company. So they kind of called the shots as to when that park's closing. Um, but uh, we're going to try to stay on top of all this, uh, Shelley and I, and we promise to be back with a new show soon. So till then, thanks for listening and happy shopping. <laughs>